The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Just after the death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Senator Robert Kennedy gave a short speech ending with these words, The vast majority of white people and the vast majority of black people in this country want to live together, want to improve the quality of our life, and want justice for all human beings who abide in our land. Let us say a prayer for our country and for its people. Thank you for tuning in to the Main Street Vegan program today. I am Victoria Moran, your host, and this is our 385th episode. So welcome, coming from wherever you are across the globe. And our show today actually is very international because after the break, we're going to be bringing on Tammy Fry. She is a martial artist and she heads up the Fry Family Food Company. She's uh, quite the Renaissance woman coming from Australia. And right now I'm going to be speaking to a guest and actually just got a bonus. It's going to be two guests coming to us from Germany. So the announced guest is Lucas Chandel, but we're also going to be speaking with his twin brother. I found out that's fraternal twin brother, and they don't look alike at all, so you'd never know they were twins if I hadn't told you. And they head up the Vicoco online cooking school. They partner with chefs from all over the world to teach courses about their local cuisine, all fully plant-based, of course, and they've recorded courses with chefs in Japan, Thailand, Italy, Germany, and all over the place so that they can share their passion for delicious vegan food with their students. So welcome, Lucas and Samuel. Thanks so much for having us. What an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's, it's fabulous to be talking with somebody who really understands food. I took a class in raw food cuisine several years ago. This was an in-person class. And I remember that one day, one of the other students opened the crisper. And when I looked in, all I could see were the ingredients for the recipe at hand that we did not have. And what she saw was the fabulous dish that could be made from precisely what was there. (laughs) So I feel like there are those who are gifted and those who have to learn a little bit more. I'm one of those. So, so tell me what, where did you get your passion for food? 
Yeah, I think it's slowly developed. We definitely, my brother and I, we, we always grew up uh, learning uh, to appreciate food and we always enjoyed food. Um, but to be honest, since going vegan, which is roughly three years ago now, uh, the, this uh, has opened up an entirely new, new world for us because since then we've been eating much more variety. And we basically started a vegan YouTube channel back then um, just to teach ourselves and teach other people how to cook uh, vegan for fitness. And then from that on, we wanted to improve ourselves. And we, we didn't really find anything online that we uh, liked uh, as an, yeah, so we, we thought that we would could, uh, create something ourselves. And that's created basically the idea to work with established chefs and then create all these different amazing courses. Aha. Uh -huh. So what's your vegan story? And I'm interested that your twin brothers, do you have a twin vegan story? Uh, somehow. Yeah, a little bit maybe. So back then we were actually not living in the same city, but we always had an interest in uh, nutrition, learning about different kinds of foods. Uh, I, back, I actually had been vegetarian for two years back then, but somehow it didn't feel right. And sort of when I got back to Berlin um, and we started living in the same city, we've, we found out that we started eating vegan around the same time ago, which was like two months prior to that. Um, so even though we didn't really like decide we're going to do that now, we did it around the same time. So that must have been maybe some twin connection right there. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. That's fascinating. <laughs> so what was your motivation? Um, I think at the beginning, definitely on my end, mostly the, the health aspect. But then we also started to watch Dominion and all these other movies. And uh, that opened up our eyes also to the horrors that are going on in the entire animal agriculture and also anything else that's related to it. Um, so now it's basically everything. It's the environment, it's the animals, our health. Um, yeah, for, for me personally, one of the first uh, touch points I had with the vegan diet was many years ago already, I think the documentary Cowspiracy. Back then I ate vegetarian. And after the documentary, my sort of thought was, well, actually the only solution to end all of these problems or the, the simple solution is to just go vegan. But back then, it just seemed too radical for me. It just seemed too difficult to do. And it sort of still took uh, two more years to basically make that step. Well, I don't even want to tell you how long it took me, although I had a head start on you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, I, I wish that there was some kind of magic pill that made people want to make the switch immediately, which certainly some people do. And I think it's it's uh, getting to be more and more like that. I think as we get the critical mass of more vegans, it's easier for people to do it faster. So your school, and, and for everybody listening, it's vcoco, I'm going to spell it V-E-E-C-O-C-O. -C -C -O. The website is vcoco.com, vcoco Academy on Facebook, and vcoco underscore Academy on Instagram. We'll, of course, put all that on the show notes. So first off, wh what is the name all about? What does that mean? It's actually an abbreviation of vegan cooking courses. Uh, we think it just sounds it sounds really good with the cocoa it sounds a little bit fruity and uh, that's something that we want but you also feel like it has something to do with food when you hear the cocoa it's true it's a fabulous name and it's also comforting i mean who wouldn't want to just say the word and be reminded of the beverage yeah. <laughs> so what what business or, or what educational background did you guys come from what were you doing before you had a, a vegan cooking school 
So we both um, came from a sort of studying background. So we studied uh, in the Netherlands. We studied um, sort of marketing business, started working after that in different companies. Um, and then we kind of, at the same time, we always had this sort of idea that we wanted to start our own business, that we wanted to work on our own idea. And then since sort of making the switch uh, to the vegan diet, it didn't come overnight, but over the course of a year, one and a half years, everything sort of fell into place. And we thought, yeah, maybe this is the right area in, in which we want to do something. And that's sort of where we developed the ideas. And then the idea sort of popped into our head um, after many months of thinking about it. And we actually had different ideas in the beginning. So that's sort of where it came together. This, this is cool. And and where did you come up with the concept of bringing in chefs from around the world? And my understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, that these chefs are not necessarily vegan or plant-based, but the, the dishes that they are teaching the students to make are. Is that right? Yes, we try to work mostly with vegan chefs, but sometimes when there are some countries where you go to, there's maybe one vegan school, if any at all, in an entire country. Um, and then if they don't want to work with you, for example, then there's not that much choice. But we're very happy with the chefs that we work with, and they are fantastic. And uh, yeah, the, the courses are all 100% vegan, and we try to always partner with people in their own country, so it's really the most authentic experience possible. Actually, so a, little funny, a little funny story how we came to the idea, because uh, back then we had the idea of uh, doing a cooking course ourselves, and basically sharing the knowledge and then we had the plan of going to Thailand and, and then doing it there and like a week before we, we boarded the plane we were talking with our dad and he basically was asking us well why do you film the courses why don't you just find chefs who are really good at what they do and then partner with them and then sort of at this instant moment we were like wow that's actually such a great idea and that's when we uh, figured out okay yeah we pivoted and we started to reaching out to chefs and we started to get to know a lot of really amazing chefs uh, first around Asia and then later here in Europe and that's how the whole idea got started. Well dad gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful that's so cool I, I love it when there's a family connection on all this stuff. So talk talk to me about cooking. I was speaking with an Ayurvedic uh, coach recently who was telling me that I need to be doing more cooked food and kind of slow, long cooked food. And just today with that information in my head, I showed up in the kitchen and made a salad because <laughs> I show up in the kitchen and I just want to eat. You know, I, I don't show up there thinking I'm going to create something. That, that takes time and ingredients. So how would you get somebody to just be in the headspace of cooking? I would say to definitely start with uh, cuisine, for example, or recipes that are, that are sort of uh, fast. For example, when you're looking at Thai food in comparison to Indian food, for example, most of the dishes are usually quite fast. And a lot of people are always a little bit afraid of uh, Thai or Japanese because they think it's very uh, uh, foreign and, and complicated. But it's actually quite easy. And I would say someone starting out, if they start out with like simple steer fries, curries, maybe some Italian dishes that are all be below 30 minutes, um, that's probably a great way to start. But I can totally understand you. 
for me, it's also I eat mostly uh, a lot of raw food and then in the evening maybe something cooked. And then one of the one of the things that we also say is it's, it it starts a little bit with the mindset also because many people who are maybe new to cooking uh, they think that cooking is a chore and after eight hours of working they now have to go in the kitchen and start chopping vegetables and do all of these things but when the way we approach it is basically if you think about cooking it's a break from your everyday life it's sort of the 30 to 60 minutes where you just have time for yourself um, it, it's sort of meditative actually you're thinking about it and 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 you know you get a You don't have to think about the stress about the next day, about the job and stuff like that. But it's just you and the food. And afterwards, you're even uh, blessed with a beautiful dish that you created. So if you start approaching it with that mindset, you might start to enjoy cooking more. That's also what we try to share with people. That's a beautiful idea. And, and I think that also makes you look forward to it and maybe not wait till you're ravenous and want to eat right this minute. <laughs> Okay, I'm liking this. I'm liking it a lot. So to somebody who is not yet vegan or who is a brand new vegan, what are some of the differences in, in cooking plant food from the kind of food that um, most people have been eating? Okay, so <clears throat> I think a couple of things that come to mind is definitely uh, one would be the, the, the fiber aspect. Um, because your body has to get used to the amount of fiber that you that you're eating now, and that also comes to another point, which is uh, soaking. Um, because, for example, people that were used to eating uh, conventional before before they went vegan, um, you can with many foods you can just start throwing them in a the pan right right away. But for example, when you cook something like beans or lentils, um, or if you also want to do a, a cashew cream, for example, many things have to be soaked in advance in order not only to make them uh, softer to cook but also in order for your body to absorb it better. So you need to approach the cooking a little bit more with planning. It's not like it's a big chore because the soaking takes only like one minute of active time, uh, but you do have to plan it into your into your day, basically. And then also you have the aspect of thinking a little bit about uh, dishes, depending on, on what's your background. So here in Germany, for instance, it's a very meat-based country, culture-wise. So usually there's a, a main meat dish and then maybe there's potatoes to it and a salad. And if you approach it with the idea, I have to replace everything one by one, so I need a sort of vegan meat that has to replace the original meat, uh, that it's sort of difficult because once you understand vegan cooking and all that is possible, you can you, you start to realize that you don't have to go one by one, but you can build entire dishes on an entirely new concept. You don't need to replace a piece of meat, but you just combine a lot of different ingredients um, different vegetables, different spices, different nuts and seeds in such a way that you have amazing texture when you take a bite, that you have a colorful plate that just makes you want to really dive into it. And using the spices in the right way that really gives you this flavorful experience, that sort of um, thing brought in a little bit new way and uh, not from the old way where you think you have to replace everything exactly. I think that's the biggest difference for me from the way I used to eat to the way I, I eat now and have for a long time. But it used to be there was this plate, just like you described it. So I think the American diet is very much like the German diet in that way. It's a piece of meat, you know, a couple of vegetables. And now it's almost always a bowl. And when I fix something that can't go in a bowl and I have to put it on a plate, I'm a little bit disappointed because there's just something so inviting about that bowl where everything's all nestled together 
so you mentioned spices and spices are so cool. I have found in the last two, three years, this, this huge appreciation for spices so that I'm always running out of them and having to buy more and they used to last, you know, years. So what are your favorite spices and what do you like them for? Okay, so my uh, my personal favorite is, and it's not a it's it's not a big surprise, but my personal favorite at the moment is definitely salt, because I do believe that salt is sort of on the one end overused and on the other end underappreciated, because salt not only makes food salty but it really brings out flavors, and depending on when you add the salt to your food, you know whether it's in the beginning when you start to, for instance, prepare the tofu and you add salt to it. Or you add it while you cook, you add it into the water, or at the end, it has a completely different effect on the overall food. And adding adding salt, a good quality salt at the right time, really just enhances the, the experience so much. Even when you think about desserts, always adding like a little pinch of salt brings out the sweetness, brings out all of the other flavors that are in the dish. And when you say good quality salt, what do you mean? What kind? Um, well, again, it depends a little bit on when you want to apply it. So if you if you just need uh, a lot of salt for boiling water, you wouldn't need you wouldn't use the sort of flaky, um, more expensive salt that you would add at the end of a salad because you want it there to add some texture um, to bring out the flavor at the end. So I we we always start with sea salt. I think having a good quality sea salt is good. Himalayan salt. The great ways to uh, to start, but then again, the, what's it called like maldon um, salt flakes. Maldon, they're sort of flaky, and you would end them at the end. You wouldn't throw them into the into the bowl of water. So it depends a little bit on where you want to add the salt. This is one of the things I love talking to food people. I remember my daughter once was going to. Uh, wait tables when she was in school at a very, very fancy uh, French restaurant here in New York City. And she had to go in for the salt class. They had an entire course for the servers on on the, the black salt and the pink salt and the gray salt and, and how they were different and, and what made them special. So that's not something I would ordinarily think about, but I'm glad you reminded me. So is there another spice that you guys are crazy about? I think for me it would probably be because I studied in Thailand for a long time and uh, we were back there last year. I think for me it's chili. I put chilies uh, uh, either dried, the fresh Thai chilies or the dried uh, long ones or the ground ones. I put chilies in everything. So also one of the one of the things that we learned uh, about Asian cuisine is also when you think about flavors and tastes that many times it's just the right combination of flavors at the right time. So a lot of Thai dressings, for instance, they base around this concept of using spicy, salty, sour, and sweet all at the same time. So if you if you have that concept in mind and you just start to think about, okay, what ingredients can I use? For sour, I can use uh, lime juice. Uh, they have tamarind paste. For the salty, of course, salt or soy sauce. Um, for the sweetness, they have a spicy, special sugar in Thailand, but you can just use regular sugar. And if you approach it from basically where you want to end up, combining the right types of uh, flavors and tastes, and then you just pick the ingredients that you have at hand or that go well in that specific scenario. It sounds lovely. It, it, it sounds like you're turning me into a chef 
in 27 minutes. So how about some other tips? Just throw out some quick brotherly tips to the listeners who might already be great vegan cooks, but let's make everybody better vegan cooks. I mean, one of the, one of the things that, um, I gotta, I gotta admit for me personally, I discovered my love also for baking and especially baking breads this year. And one of the things that I found quite fascinating is the whole concept of baking percentages. So a lot of people who are probably already good with baking, they know about it. But for me, it was a new concept, to be honest. And it's the very simple idea that, um, you know, depending on the amount of flour that you have, the right amount of water and the right amount of salt and the right amount of pretty much anything simply is a ratio or percentage of the amount of flour that you use. And when you look at recipes, it sort of gives you that freedom because, you know, aha, if I have a certain amount of flour, I don't need the exact re- recipe because I just have the ratio. So let's say I have 1,000 gram of flour, I have a 75% uh, water ratio there, then you can basically just um, apply it to any amount that you have and you can can play around with different ratios. And I, for me personally, found it's a very useful concept. So for anybody who's into baking, um, looking into ratios and bakers percentages is definitely a great tip to start wonderful other brother <laughs> <laughs> i think for me it, uh, it's definitely about the uh, final plating and decoration because we have a lot of people also on facebook who always tell us that their food tastes great but it doesn't look that great and for if you present something to a non-vegan family or friends for example uh, you want it to be not only taste well but also look really really good and one of the easiest ways that you can do is because a lot of people when they make a curry for example all of the vegetables they use have the same color and then also when they put anything on top as a topping it's always the same color so it could be uh, a complete uh, brown mess basically tastes really great but then it doesn't look so appealing so an easy way to just make it taste even better by by making it look more appealing is by using contrasting or complementing colors. So if you use something red, then use something green uh, as another vegetable or also as a topping. You could use some microgreens or some fresh herbs. Um, That makes things look a lot easier and a lot better. Nice, and especially because we like to take pictures of our food and try to get other people to want to eat vegan. That is nice when the food is attractive. So tell me a little bit about the Vicoco course. How can you teach me how to cook online? Yeah, so at uh, Vicoco, what we do is, as you mentioned earlier, we we partner with chefs around the world and we um, we let them show their special cuisine in a vegan way and sort of iconic recipes and what you have to think about when it comes to flavor, how you can recreate traditional recipes without uh, eggs, without the dairy, without the meat. Um, and it's just fascinating. All of that is possible. Yeah. And the way we do it is that we have these single courses and we do have a membership that you can get access to all of the courses that we have on the platform. But we don't want to stop where we are right now. We have uh, 13 courses from Asia and Europe uh, until now. Uh, but we continuously find new chefs and new topics that we want to have on the, on the platform to basically you know, grow this sort of library of vegan cooking um, and, and show everybody that there's so much that is possible when it comes to vegan cooking. Well, 
we know there's so much possible. I think the question somebody like me would have is, yeah, I know it's possible, but can I do it? So so these are videos of, of the chefs. And then is there explanation? Are there handouts? Are there quizzes? How does the school part work? Ah, yes. So we... Uh most of the lessons are in video format, um, but then when it comes to the info lessons about, for example, Italian cuisine, um, ingredients that you can swap when you cannot find certain ingredients from Thai cuisine, for example, um, or any of the more info, uh, info uh, information materials, then that's usually in text format. And you also get for every course, you get a PDF guidebook to download. Can ask us questions below the below every single video or lesson. There's a, a field for comments or also on our um, private Facebook group. Uh, and then at the end, there's also an assessment for each course, so you can test your knowledge and then also get a certificate. Oh, cool! That's that's like going to school. So, yes. <laughs> just in our last couple of minutes, for each of you, what's your favorite dish and what's your favorite course at Vicoco? Hmm, that's a good question because I also think for me personally it, it changes almost also with every course that we have and it changes with the seasons. Mm. Um, last year we went to Italy to film an Italian course uh, there and I just have to say I love Italian food. Um, there's something about it, the simplicity of Italian cuisine but then again the flavor is so rich and it just goes so well. So for me any Italian dish is just uh, whether it's a nice pizza. Actually I got a pizza stone for at home and tomorrow we're making pizza. Um, and, and I could eat a lot of pizza. I, th in fact, I think it's amazing, but pretty much anything Italian. For you, Lucas? I think for me, my favorite dish would probably be the Thai papaya salad. And then in terms of courses, I do love all of them, but uh, there's something special about the raw courses because mm. that's something before I went vegan, I never even considered. Uh, I never heard about raw vegan food. So that's something very special for me. Uh, that's pretty special. And the raw desserts, I mean, there's just nothing like them. Amazing. They're, they're kind of magical. Mm -hmm. I remember going to a raw food restaurant once and sitting down and taking a sip of a blended room temperature soup and thinking, there has to be something illegal in this. I couldn't <laughs> feel this good from one sip, but mm -hmm. uh, they're still in business. So evidently all legal and all delicious. <laughs> so Vicoco, V-E-E-C-O-C-O, the website is vcoco.com or find them on Facebook at Vicoco Academy. And then you can get yourself cooking. Thank you so much, Lucas Thanks and so Samuel. Much. Everybody else stay with us. We'll be back with a martial arts champion who's a vegan champion too. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. This is usually the part of the program where I say that if you're new, please check out MainStreetVegan.net. 
that's where you'll find the, the show notes. You'll also find information about Main Street Vegan Academy, which is the school I've always said that I run in New York City. Well, guess what? It is now in New York City and online on Zoom. So we're having our very first Zoom class over the summer. It's starting at the end of June. So if you have any interest in looking into becoming a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator, do check out Main Street Vegan Academy. You would be in our very first Zoom class. And there are other uh, live and uh, in-person classes Um Zoom live and in-person live, I guess they're both live, uh, classes for Main Street Vegan Academy if you do want to take your vegan outreach to the professional level. We'd love to hear from you. Well, also over there at MainStreetVegan.net, we have a blog, and this week it is a guest post from an amazing woman. Her name is Tammy Fry. She is a champion martial artist. She's also part of an important uh, vegan food company in Australia, coming also to the U.S. She's involved with Live Kindly, and she has written something so inspirational. That's what the blog post is, and we're going to be talking with her right now. Tammy Fry is a vegan who was born vegetarian. She is a plant-based athlete, junior world karate champion, and fifth Dan karate. She's director of the Fry Family Food Company, founded in 1990. She has a food blog called Seed Blog. She runs nutrition workshops, teaching people how to transition to a plant-based diet. And oh, by the way, she's the mom of two boys and a fur child. Welcome, Tammy Fry. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really honored um, to be on, on this call with you this morning. Well, and I'm very honored that you were willing to get up so early, although I know my athletes always say, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> what I did when I was competing. So um, let's just jump right in with this beautiful thing that you have written, your, your commencement speech for young vegan activists. Where did the idea for that come from? Well, I think, um, you know, I had a really tough time because I was a vegan when no one else was a vegan. <laughs> and uh, when I was at school, in high school, I actually remember going into Christian studies. And as I walked in, my classmates all laid their hands on me and prayed for me. And I didn't really know what was going on. And afterwards, uh, the teacher explained to me that they thought that, you know, not eating meat was anti-biblical. Oh. And that the principles of the Bible uh, state that, you know, we have dominion of animals and that therefore we should be consuming animals. And, um, and of course, I also did karate, <laughs> which came from the East. And, uh, you know, again, uh, they didn't believe that was in line with, with the, the principles of the, of the Holy Bible. So I had a tough time at school, um, you know, with my karate and with uh, being plant-based. And I was really passionate about plant-based. And I think um, when I left school, uh, all my lessons, you know, I learned all my lessons about, you know, being a passionate vegan, advocating for veganism, looking for the opportunities to get out there and speak my truth to the world. And there were so many challenges. And I think, and so many lessons, because where you have challenges, you have lessons. And I thought this was a good time. You know, I'm a little older now. I've got my own children. 
and um, I wanted to share some of these lessons with other um, other students leaving leaving college. So, what are some of, of the lessons? I know you you have several very clearly delineated topics, but give us a couple that you think are really important. I think um, I've always been a dreamer, um, but I've also been a doer. So, I think one of the one of the important things is you you know you can have a dream, but you also need to take action, and you need to head towards that dream through the actions that you take. Um, you know, nothing will be achieved by just imagining it. And um, I am, I do, I do believe in in creating, you know, in creating the world that you want to see and creating the the goals that you want to see in your mind, and uh, and and then that they, they come to fruition. However, you do need to take you know action towards that as well. Um, I think self discipline is is. A massive topic and coming from the martial arts discipline was what we grew up with um, I started karate when I was four and karate is a very highly disciplined sport and I think what we're seeing in society today and you know all over the world unfortunately is a massive lack of discipline and self-discipline um, I've recently read the 5am club which is actually a great book if anyone wants to to, to dive into a book over the holidays um, you know, and this is just another lesson in self-discipline, getting up early, um, c- controlling your thoughts and your mind, be- being conscious of what you choose to focus your attention on. And, uh, and you know, by being disciplined, you can achieve so much, Re- restructuring your day, making enough time to eat, to, to cook and eat healthy food. Um, just saying, I don't have enough time in the day is just not a good enough excuse. Um, and then I think... Uh, Another thing that we're seeing in society is is this world of, of people being so self-involved. And, you know, I'm, I am on Instagram, um, but I'm not, don't post selfies and I don't post stuff about myself. I think, I think so many people are so self-focused and, and consciousness is the opposite of that. Consciousness is being aware of, of the interconnectedness of everything and the fact that you are just, you know, one small uh, link in the chain in the world and 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 really focusing a little bit more on others and and making sure that you're doing kind things for other people um and there that's where you'll find true happiness so you know that's i think that's another key thing and then just being kind speaking of kindness being kind um I think the smartest and strongest activists I know are just very kind people. And they're not only kind to animals, they're also kind to people. So strive to always do the right thing. I mean, I know none of us are perfect, but um, we can always strive to always be doing the right thing. And, and I, th- I think those are some of the key key aspects of the, the commencement speech that I wrote. Well, it, it's powerful, and it's powerful for anyone of, of any age. So please find it, read it. You can find it at MainStreetVegan.net, or you can find it other places. But but do do have a read. It, it's so important. And it's so interesting, Tammy, that you brought up discipline. I'm taking a, a yoga course right now, and one of the books that we had to read was called The Dharma Code. And they talked about these four principles, truth, purity, Nonviolence 
and discipline. And I love it when things come from different cultures and different ways of making their way to us, but they're saying the same really, really important things. So in terms of your reaching out to speak to graduates or people around the age that could be graduating this year, what do you see as, as their challenges, maybe things you didn't face when you were graduating, but also what are their opportunities? Well, um, we are seeing environmental destruction at a, at a rate that is unprecedented. Um, and we're also seeing a, an unequivocally broken food system. Um, so they are facing the sixth mass extinction right now. And, um, you know, we're seeing the statistics are there and the facts are there. You know, a fishless ocean by 2050, an ocean filled with more plastic than fish by 2040, um, 10,000 species of fauna and flora that will be lost every single year to extinction. Uh, we are just seeing mass destruction at a rate that uh, I've never seen before in my life. And it's, and it's now the information is freely available. And that's what's also important. We're seeing this information being shared and more people jumping in the movements and, and sharing this information, sharing the truth. So I think the massive challenge is going to be the environmental crisis um, and, and I think that's what, that's what graduates are going to be going out into the world and facing. And if there's anyone out there that, that may be listening that might have children in the world as well, and I'm speaking as a mother, I don't want my children to jump in the ocean. You know, I might not be here, but I don't want them to jump into the ocean and see no fish. And I also don't want them to turn around to me one day and say, Mom, what did you do about it? You know, did you did you just sit back and watch, or were you participating? Were you eating fish while you knew that there was the fish stocks were reducing at such a fast rate that we were left with only three fishing zones out of the original seventeen? What did you do about it? And I don't want I, I don't want to be that mother that sits back and said, actually, I I I, I didn't care enough. I just sat there. I just I kept eating. I kept eating the way I wanted to eat, and I was really just worried about myself. So, these graduates are going out into a very difficult environment. Um, you know, not not only the environmental crises. There's, there's so much going. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I feel devastated about what's going on in America right now. I'm sitting in Australia, but I'm originally South African, so I come from Africa. So I've faced these issues growing up as well, um, that, that America's, you know, has what, what America's going on is just devastating to me. Um, and then in terms of opportunities, there are so many people, Victoria, that are now more conscious. And although I was a lone wolf <laughs> back 20 years ago, um, you're no longer going to be that that lone person, you know, speaking your truth, there are many other people in the world that you can join forces with and join forces with them, find your tribe, uh, find people that share your passion. And we're part of an information age. So share, share online, jump online, get active. If that's where you need to be, if you, if you don't want to be out, you know, speaking, maybe it's, it's uh, being active at your computer. Um, and then, Companies all over the world are also becoming a lot more uh, responsible 
And so there are so many opportunities in the space about sustainability. If that's something you're passionate about, there are more vegan companies to join. There's the Live Kindly company that you could join. There's the Fry Family Food company that you can. There's just so many opportunities. These companies are growing now. They're looking for really good resources. Uh, they're looking for great talent, uh, graduates leaving that have that have talent. Um, so there are so many opportunities as well. So it's not all doom and gloom. You can actually take action. Yes, and and I think so many young people are. They really they have a fire under them, and it's it's beautiful to see. So you mentioned uh, companies, and you mentioned the Fry Family Food Company. So for those of us who haven't been able to experience your products yet, what have you got? What can we look forward to? Well, um, Fry's actually was one of the pioneers in the plant-based meats um, category. Almost you know, back in 1991, I was only eight years old. And um, we started, uh, my mum and dad, Wally and Debbie, started making plant-based meats in our home kitchen. And it was really just out of a need for our own family. There, there was nothing existed um in, in the space, well, not that we were aware of in, in South Africa. And I think we were laughed at, you know, for what we were trying to do. Um, and Wally was just really devoted. My dad was really devoted to making plant-based meats for ourselves. You know, the protein, he was lacking. Pro he had become a vegetarian himself, and he really wanted something that was high in protein that he could put onto the barbecue without feeling left out. And so he went on this, uh, this crusade of sorts to develop this, these plant-based meats. And it became bigger, you know, it, it, it slowly, it grew organically. And uh, now we're in 28 countries in the world with wow. over 60 different products. Um, they are all absolutely delicious. And I know that because we've had no marketing budget. We are a small family business. We had no funds to promote this product. It had to survive on its own. And therefore it, it had to taste great, you know, otherwise it was never going to survive. Um, so I think we've got some of the best plant-based meats in the world. Um, and uh, we've recently joined the Live Kindly company, which I think many people will know about Live Kindly Media. But Live Kindly, Live Kindly Media is also now in the same group of companies with us and is owned by Live Kindly Company. Um, and Live Kindly Company shares our passion, uh, shares our mission, uh, which is to change a broken food system. So um, we're really excited about the future and to be launching in America very soon is uh, you actually can buy fries now in California, um, but we're doing a, a much bigger launch later on this year, which, which is very exciting for us. Well, um, my husband is already excited. He is something of a connoisseur of plant-based meats. So uh, we, will, we will be there with an empty shopping cart as soon as they're available in New York City. Now, I know you also have a book coming. We'll be sharing a publisher, great big publisher, Penguin. Can you give us a little preview of the book? Oh, wow. Yes. So I haven't actually spoken about this. And I guess talking about it makes me feel a little nervous because um, it's all coming to fruition. It's been a, quite a long time of writing the book. But um, Victoria, running workshops around you know the world, I realized that there are so many people that are just trying to do their best, you know, mums that are trying to do their best. And there were a lot of questions about transitioning to plant-based. There's a lot of questions about supplementing, uh, what do you cook? 
I need inspiring recipes. I need to do it quickly. Um, you, a, a lot of a lot of new gut health information coming out that people are interested in. And so I started putting pen to paper um, probably two or three years ago to answer some of these questions. And then just writing down the recipes I used at home, you know, uh, making batch cooking, um, gut health recipes, ferments. And uh, I, I submitted a synopsis to Penguin who accepted it and have agreed to publish the book um, in Veganuary 2021. Oh, wonderful. So it's, it is incredibly exciting um, to get it out there. There'll be around 85 recipes, beautifully photographed, and um, all super easy. This is this is not for you know the level 10 raw foodie vegans. This is not for <laughs> <laughs> they already know what they're doing. This is to help people who are who are really interested in becoming a flexitarian. Maybe they want to do meat free Mondays and they want some ideas and they haven't really ventured into the space of, of vegan. So this is to support that journey because that's where my passion lies is to help people make that those next steps in their life. Mm. Oh, that sounds wonderful. We'll have to come back. I, I've written that down, January 2021. So now <laughs> something, Tammy, that's fascinating to me, you you teach a lot about building the immune system as, as first-line defense against you know, infections, whatnot. So so tell us how we do this. Um, well, the immune system is, I mean, we've just been faced with COVID, right? So I think this is on, on the tip of everyone's tongue is, how do we build our immune system? Because people are surviving COVID and, and there's a lot of research being done into why, are, you know, what are the things that, that we should be doing to protect ourselves? And COVID's only one of there. I think there's going to be plenty. We're going to see more of, of these type of, of viruses, unfortunately, you know, as, as the population grows and as we interact with animals more and, we're going to see, um, you know, as we continue to treat animals the way we do in animal agriculture, we're going to see more viruses like these. So how do we best protect ourselves? The only thing that we can do is to build our immune system. And the way we do this is really through, there's, there's a number of things. I mean, we can look into the blue zones and take learnings from the blue zones. But um, a lot of that lies within the gut and having a healthy gut that is not permeated. Now, one of the ways that you do permeate your gut and damage that very, very thin layer of, of, of cells, which is actually the barrier between the outside world and, and your inside world. So it's a very, very important part of, of your, your, your body and protecting you, um, is the pesticides that are sprayed on crops. Those pesticides contain a substance called glyphosate, and glyphosate is known to permeate this, this very fine gut lining. Once you've permeated the gut lining, you find the toxins and leaking into basically into your bloodstream. Your immune system lies inside the bloodstream and um, it starts to overreact and, and, and become extremely busy trying to protect your body from what's coming in because now you have the, the gut lining's not doing the job that it was meant to do. And, and the immune system goes into overdrive. So one of the ways that we can protect ourselves is to reestablish the the gut um, making sure we get you know great forms of, uh, of probiotics and prebiotics which are as important um, probiotics can come from foods that we make like kombucha or um, kimchi and um, sauerkraut 
uh, or you can take, you know, you can also take these in, in the form of supplements. I always say try and get it from your food, though. Um, eating organic fruits and vegetables, you get a great source of probiotics. And then prebiotics are fibers, um, for example, uh, things like chia seeds, very high in fiber. Um, psyllium husk is very high in fiber. But again, you can get prebiotics in the form of a supplement. And if that's how you need to take it, that's great. Getting enough sunshine. Um, at least 20 minutes a day to build your vitamin D reserves. This is another crucial way of, of protecting ourselves against against viruses. Um, and eating a good diet. Uh, again, I can't stress that enough. People, you know, at the moment we're seeing a world where food is at our fingertips. We can just walk into a store and buy packaged food. And, and this is not what's going to keep us healthy. And we can see that through lifestyle disease, which is, you know, I think the statistics are one in two people in America have some form of lifestyle disease. I mean, that's devastating. That's a bigger problem than COVID, much bigger. But we don't talk about it. It doesn't even hit the media. People don't. It's, 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 it's on the quiet. Um, we need to change the way we eat. And going plant-based is one way of doing that. And going plant-based in a healthy way, not uh, turning to, you know, fried chips and pasta, but but really starting to include a wide variety of fruits and vegetables um, and fibers, high-fiber foods, and, and just, you know, really thinking about how can I keep myself and my family healthy going forward. Um, so I've, I've written articles about this, you know, on, on my blog, Victoria. Anyone can jump on and have a read. It's, it's done, you know, really easy to follow. And I think that's where I, I really want to uh, help people is to make these things easy to understand and not too scientific. Um, just break it down to the very basics so that you can actually apply it in your own home. Cool. And that blog is Seed Blog. So check that out. And Tammy, there's something of a an uncomfortable partnership, I think, probably with all of us who want a vegan world, between our desire for everybody to just eat fresh, whole foods and the desire that so many of us also have for meat and cheese in, in vegan forms. So be, being on both sides of that, where do you come down on it? I think um, the plant-based meats and, and plant-based cheeses are a great crutch for us to use while we go through our transition. Because we've to take out the foods that we've come to love and foods that form part of our culture and just to remove them, um, it can be very difficult to do. Um, not only because you crave the taste, but just because of your cultural, you know, you go to a barbecue and then what do you eat? Salad. You know, it's, it's very difficult to do that. And and I think we want to try and not, everyone wants to kind of form part of the mainstream. We all want to be normal. We don't want to stand out, you know, and, and sit at the table and eat salad while everyone else is barbecuing outside. So um, plant-based meats and plant-based cheeses and, and dairy have a really, really important job to do. And, and, that, and that is to help people to make this transition without falling out again, because it's too difficult. So there is no excuse. Once you've got plant-based meat, plant-based cheese and plant-based dairy, there's really no excuse for us to be consuming foods which have such a devastating effect on the environment. And not only that, on actual living beings, that it's having... It's, it's not, you know, these foods are not being, um, they're not kind. <laughs> they're not kind foods. And so by moving over to the plant-based versions, um, you don't have to compromise anymore. 
and and that's a, a great first step. And then I think as you go along in your vegan journey, you may not go along, you may stop there, but as you go along, you might start dropping some of these foods as you learn to cook very delicious um, whole plant-based food recipes. And and I think that's where, you know, I've been a vegan for a very long time and I do consume plant-based meats, but I'm definitely further along. I don't consume them as much as I first did and I don't consume plant-based dairy as much as I did in the beginning. And I've kind of transition beyond that but it just depends on where you are in your journey and where you want to stop in your journey but these foods are also very you know if you if you start reading labels and if you look at the fries definitely I can speak on behalf of fries we have a very clean label not only that our food is produced in the way we used to make it in our kitchen so it's not the scary processed concept um fries was made in a Kenwood chef with an oven and some cooking pots in the very beginning. And now we've just scaled that up into a bigger facility that can produce food for more people, but using the same type of equipment and the same kind of process. So not all plant-based meats are bad. Um, it's they can't all be labeled, oh, these are bad and they've got, you know, they're highly processed and they've got these terrible ingredients. I think you really need to research. I can tell you for sure that Fries is not one of those plant-based meats. Oh, it, it's made the way we made it at home. I love that. I love that. I'm sorry to cut you off. We're going to have our hard stop here in just a few seconds. But thank you so very much, Tammy Fry, Fry's Family Food Company. And also do uh, check out that commencement address. It's at MainStreetVegan.net and lots of other wonderful places. Thanks to all of our guests to Unity Online Radio. And thanks extra to you for taking this time to listen. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.